is a family vacation to Holiday Inn's Orange Lake Resort, Disney, and Universal Studios the right vacation for your family? Let's find out. Hi, and welcome back to the Jaycation Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Paul, and this is episode number three. On today's episode, we're going to take a look back on my recent family trip to Holiday Inn Orange Lake Resort in Kissimmee, Florida, Disney, and Universal Studios. Yeah, that's right. We hit it all, and we're going to give you an honest review of everything and even a little surprise at the end. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. To start our vacation, we drove down to Florida and arrived at Holiday Inn Club Vacation Orange Lake Resort at approximately 8 p.m. and were greeted by an amazing staff. There were a ton of people there, we'll say approximately about 100 that were checking in when we arrived, but the wait time was only about five minutes to begin our check-in process. They were fully staffed and had approximately 10 areas where they could check in the guests. We had reserved a two-bedroom villa with two bathrooms, and we're happy to learn that we were going to be staying in a private bungalow. Um, At this resort, they have either a high-rise style or a bungalow style. The bungalow style is two one-floor apartments in like a little house with a common wall in between and a driveway outside that can accommodate up to, I'd say, about four cars easily. Um, Our bungalow was a little over 1,200 square feet. And like I said, it featured our own private driveway, uh, which was ample space for any size vehicle. Um, And the whole trip time we were down there, there was no one in the other bungalow. So we basically had that whole driveway to ourselves. Um, It has a full-size kitchen uh, with silverware, pots, pans, cups, glasses, utensils, and almost anything else you can think of. Uh, It has a large dining room with seating for eight and a sunken living room with a small Samsung television and couches, along with sitting chairs as well. The master bedroom itself had a king-size bed uh, with a small Samsung television, connected bathroom with shower, a jetted tub combo, and a large closet for storage. Um, That room, I'd say, was, we'll say, roughly 20 by 15. It was a pretty big room, nicely spaced out, nicely furnished. Uh, The second bedroom had two queen-size beds in it, along with a large closet for storage and an additional small Samsung television, as well as a connected bathroom with a shower tub condo. Um, All the villas there have full-size washer-dryers, which is a really nice touch, because if you're down there in, in, in the Florida heat, and the humidity, and you're going to the parks, and you're doing all that kind of stuff, you're going to get really sweaty. And instead of having to lug all that home with you, you can actually wash all your clothes, which we end up taking advantage of uh, almost every night. Um, they do also provide you with free detergent. Um, so you, they give you some when you come in, and of course you can always call the front desk and uh, request more, and they'll just bring it out to you, along with more coffee and all that kind of stuff. Um, some of the pros there were the private living area. We really liked the fact that we just had basically one neighbor who ended up actually not being there. Uh, the large square footage layout, it was one floor, one story, easy to get your stuff in and out of the car. Not very far of a walk because you're parking literally, I don't know, four feet from your door. Um, and so that was a really nice feature. You also had your, like I said, your own private driveway. So lots of room for parking. I'm a stickler for parking my vehicle. I hate parking near the front and getting door dings and stuff like that. So I'll always park in the back of like a big lot. Um, and uh, in this place, it didn't matter. You just had your own driveway and no one's going to touch your stuff. Um, they also came with a big patio on the back. Our patio in the back overlooked the golf course. So that was a really nice and relaxing view. And we even had some uh, awesome herring birds. Heron birds come like in the morning and visit us. That was really cool. And like I said, another pro was the uh, full-size washer dryer. I-, I wish cruise ships would do this in their cabins, like have like one of those combo units or something. But um, it's a really nice touch and really makes a big difference. The full-size kitchen, I mean, it had full-size refrigerator, full-size sized uh, freezer, oven, stove, dishwasher, microwave, everything. It was basically like you're living at your house. So it enabled us to, when we arrived there, to go to like Publix and pick up 
all our food for the week uh, that we were going to be eating in the, in the resort there and save a lot on going out to restaurants and stuff like that. Uh, it was very clean and very well taken care of. These are uh, timeshare properties. So they really do take great care of the facilities altogether. Uh, some of the cons we noticed, the televisions, like I kind of mentioned before, televisions were very small for the rooms. I'd estimate they were 35-inch TVs. Um, although that's not horrible, it's way too small for the size of these rooms. These were big rooms. These are not your little uh, cruise ship rooms or something like that. These are big rooms, and it, they should at least have like a 48, 44, 48-inch television, though, if, in there, if, if not bigger. Um, it did make it a little hard for us at night as a family to watch like a movie and stuff because you're trying to sit far back in these comfortable chairs and couches and stuff like that, but you can barely see the screen. Just wasn't the right size for the room, and as a timeshare property, you'd think they would kind of have the money to spend to get those upgraded. Um, the other thing was we did have to recall call the uh, front desk to get extra laundry detergent multiple times. Finally, they did just bring enough for our entire stay, as, as well as coffee and stuff like that, but they were very friendly in doing so. Um, the only problem we did have was with all the people there, they did have extremely long wait times to get anyone to answer the phone uh, when you call the front desk. There were multiple times I called, waited for over five minutes on the phone with it ringing, and no one answered. Um, so we just try again later and eventually get somebody. So that was a little bit of a disappointment in a resort of that style and that big name and everything like that. You think they would have staff uh, more available to answer the phones when people call in. Um, as a travel agent, uh, my wife and I elected to go learn about their timeshare program when we were down there to just learn more about the property, what it had to offer, as well as various other properties that they had to offer as a way to give some recommendations for guests in the future. So we thought it would be very informative to do so. They also have a little perk when you go that obviously you get some money for that. Um, but we are more interested in the information. Um, this is honestly where Holiday Inn dropped the ball. This was a horribly managed program and had to be one of the worst I've ever seen. I've been to a lot of timeshare presentations in my life. I think we all have. You go down there, you get little little goodies for going. Um, this one was horrible. Normally, they roll out the red carpet when you walk in. Uh, that was not the case here. Here, you just went in with like 150 people. They had four girls checking you in at the, at the place. They were very friendly staff there checking you in, but it just took a long time to get checked in. Um, we were told it was going to be an hour and a half presentation, no longer, and we used that as our our uh, startup to our day that we were going to Epcot because Epcot opens a little later. Um, and then we found out after we got there that the hour and a half they're talking about is when they actually send you off with the realtor to do the presentation, not however long you've been waiting before to get into there. Um, we had an eight o'clock appointment and apparently so did about 150 other people. So again, horribly, horribly mismanaged. And the staff after the uh, checking girls was not very kind and not very good overall, in my opinion. Um, they were so bad overall, in fact, that my wife uh, was not very happy and never wants to stay in a Holiday Inn Resort again. Um, and due to this being part of the experience, you know, to be honest, um, I have to give this a non-recommendation as a resort um, and give it a thumbs down. I would not recommend any of my clients to stay here just due to that alone, because everything Holiday Inn does under their umbrella reflects on, the, on their whole product. And that was just a downplay of the product. Um, it really took a lot out of our vacation that day, made us late to Epcot that day, and it just kind of put a bad taste in our mouth. And to be completely honest, there are a lot of resorts you can stay in in Orlando, Florida area, obviously, um, with the two big parks down there, Disney World and Universal Studios. So I would just recommend people not to stay there next time um, and just find one of the other properties in the area that are amazing. Um, and that's what we're going to do next time. And that's just our opinion. Um, 
from uh, from this family vac- for this family vacation, we had decided, like I said, kind of to go to Disney and Universal Studios. And what we had planned to do was do two days at Disney, followed by two days at Universal, um, with the ultimate goal for my wife and daughter to experience everything Harry Potter at Universal Studios. So let's start off with Disney. The first day, we decided to start our Disney vacation off at the Magic Kingdom. First, right out of the gate, after we paid for parking, which was a very quick process, we realized that due to COVID restrictions, they were not running the trams in the parking lot. This, to be honest, seemed a little silly to me since they're open-air trams, and I couldn't see how that was any different or any worse than the congestion you're going to experience in the park later. But we moved on, and it was great exercise. Uh, But just to note, depending on where you park your vehicle in the parking lot, you might have quite a lengthy walk to start your day. Because don't forget that when you park at Disney, you will have to walk all the way up to the front, go through the security checkpoint, then you walk through through to another area to actually get in the park, and that's when you go to either pick the monorail or the boat to take you across the water to the actual Magic Kingdom. Um, so that's something we had to notice. We noticed there to start off with, but good news was when we got there, there was not a mask requirement in the park. Although the staff was masked, there was no mandate for customers to wear one. So that made it kind of nice and felt a little bit more like a vacation. Uh, when we got inside, it was kind of back to normal again. Um, as always, Disney does a great job getting you into the park itself and the park was clean and seemed to be operating like normal. Um, they do have an app at Disney, of course, And I would highly recommend you downloading on your smartphone uh, before your visit to make your visit that much more enjoyable. Um, It has things like wait times on rides and maps and all different sorts of information you're going to want throughout the day. And it just makes things a heck of a lot easier. And you can even do your tickets on there as well if you link everything together. Um, So the staff was very friendly as expected and really welcomed welcomed you in there as you arrived. Um, We did notice early on that the fast pass was not working. I don't know if that was a COVID issue. I don't know if that was a technical issue, but we did notice that. So as you're walking through the park and you're, you're getting in line to rides, you know, they have the two lines, the regular line, and then they have the fast pass line. There was never anybody in these fast pass lines. So not quite sure what was going on there. Um, the weather that day was extremely hot with numerous thunderstorms throughout the day. So due to the weather um, that day, the rides were periodically shut down for safety reasons. But as soon as the storms passed through, they quickly opened them back up. I did notice that Disney really does a wonderful job to make sure that their covered rides stay open even during the storms uh, to allow guests to continually ride rides and stay entertained instead of just kind of standing around getting soaked. I I, I, and um, throughout the day, obviously, it was very hot, but the rain actually became somewhat refreshing at certain points. Um, And I actually took in the um, as just a little side note. They have these Coke slushies at these different stands throughout the park that are amazing. I probably had like four or five a day. And they're amazingly refreshing. Um, when we, we had a great time there, I went on lots of different rides. Uh, we did stop for lunch at somewhere in Tomorrowland. I can't remember the name of the restaurant. But one thing that was really interesting there was, and another reason to get the app, um, when you try to just go in the restaurant, which is air conditioned, to sit down in the middle of the day, get out of the heat kind of thing like that, um, they would not let you in until you placed your order. So you had to go on the app, order everything you wanted, you know, hit, hit it and pay for it, stuff like that. And then you went up and showed them that, and then they let you in, then you got your seat. And then of course you could go up to the stand to get your food because they're preparing your food that whole time. So that was kind of interesting. And it made the flow a little bit better there, I guess, once you realized what you had to do, uh, which, which we did not at the beginning. Um, we really liked, like I said, all the rides and a lot of fun there. We went on tons of different stuff. Um, my favorite one personally was the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. 
um, with average wait times of anywhere from 45 to maybe 75 minutes. Uh, the line moved well and the ride was worth the wait. Um, so we kind of did that, went around to, like I said, lots of different rides. And uh, we'll talk more about that later. On our second day, we started the morning at Epcot Center. Um, this was after the debacle at Holiday Inn Resort. And it was nice to get into this uh, park. It was not overly crowded and it still had lots of great rides. And I will say this park seemed to have more air conditioned areas to get out of the heat and inclement weather, which I really enjoyed. Um, I think the first day at, um, at Disney at, at Magic Kingdom, because they kept closing the rides down throughout the day because of the storms, we ended up having to go, you know, crisscrossing back and forth around the park to get to rides that were open at the time. And I think I ended up walking like 13 miles that day. So, you know, very quickly into the day, you're kind of beat. So it was nice to get to Epcot where everything's a little bit smaller area, obviously. And they had a lot more air conditioned, uh, air conditioned friendly areas to, uh, to beat that heat and all that stuff. Uh, at Epcot, I really enjoyed the ride Soaring, uh, which is a 4D experience ride that takes you throughout the world. Um, and as far as newer rides, I really enjoyed Test Track, which is a high-speed car ride by Chevrolet uh, that, again, Disney pushes to amazing. Um, and then as a family, they had, a, for as far as like newer rides, we all really liked um, Frozen Ever After, which is obviously a, a playoff of the uh, new Frozen movie, or newer Frozen movie, I should say. It's great for families and in true Disney fashion, it's very well done and even had some unexpected surprises, which of course I'm not going to tell you about because I don't want to ruin it for you. Um, that day we did have uh, the Fast Pass. I'm sorry, not the Fast Pass, the um, Park Hopper Pass, uh, which after 2 p.m. you're allowed to go to you know wherever you want after that. So after 2 p.m. on that second day, we decided to go back to Magic Kingdom because my daughter really wanted to go back and ride these rides again and rewrite her favorite ones and stuff like that. So we had a great time doing that, going back over her favorites, uh, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, Seven Dwarfs Roller Coaster, that kind of stuff, while attempting to dodge the rain showers and ended the night with their amazing fireworks display. It was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> downside to that is you're at the end of the night, the fireworks are done, park's closing in like 30 minutes or an hour or whatever it is by that point, and you and all your 100,000 friends or however many people are in that park are all trying to get out the door at the same time. Um, so that kind of, you know, was a little bit uh, congested at the end there. So let's go over some of the pros and the cons of Disney. Um, some of the pros of Disney, like always, is they do everything well there. Uh, they were well organized. They had friendly staff. They had clean parks. Um, they had innovative rides. They had great food, great everything. Everything there was awesome. Uh, and like I said, you never saw like dirt anywhere. They were always cleaning and always friendly and always smiling. Some of the cons with this trip to Disney, because I know some of this is a little different after COVID or whatever. Um, but one of the big cons was honestly the, the no tram service in the parking lot. We got in there uh, the first day, like I said, we got in there, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes after it opened or something like that. And we were kind of in the back of the parking lot. That's a long walk. You know, it might be like half a mile, maybe a little more by the time you get from your car all the way to the front door and then not including the, the uh, monorail ride or the, or the uh, boat ride. But it's a long walk, so much so that the second day um, we had actually paid for, I think they called it like priority parking or premium parking. It was actually like 20 bucks, 25 bucks. But in that sense, you're actually like in the first, I don't know, one to five rows in the beginning of the lot there. Uh, definitely worth it if they still have that when you go down there. Um, definitely worth the extra money because especially if you have like elderly or, or like little kids that, you know, aren't, you know, you're going to end up just carrying them or handicap or anything like that. You don't want to deal with that kind of stuff. So just pay the extra money and do that. 
unfortunately, until they get the tram service back up. Um, as far as mask policy in the park, the only thing I saw um, was you had to wear a mask on the monorail system. Um, I'm guessing that was a state kind of thing with Florida, maybe, because it seems kind of dumb. Like I said, like you're not wearing a mask the entire rest of the park, including being crammed in lines and sitting at other kind of cars and different things like that as you're going around the park. But in there, you had to for a three-minute ride. It just didn't make a lot of sense. Um, and then kind of now, we're going to get back to the end of the night. Um, the monorail service at the end, with everybody trying to get on the park out of the park at the same time, the service was hideously slow. Um, the monorail numerous times would pull into the station and it would sit there for 10 or 15 minutes and not leave. It might be loaded by then, but it still wouldn't leave for 10 or 15 minutes. I don't know if they're having like a, a train service issue. Like one of them was out of service, something broke down. They were obviously trying to get some sort of a timing thing set up and it wasn't working very well. Um, they had a really nice, uh, line queue set up. So they have the normal, like hard built like line queue stuff, but they had all those little ropes and additional stuff. So you had to follow the thing. So there's no line cutting and stuff, which was really nice. Um, but it was just really slow to the point where like people were getting really angry. Cause you just see this train sitting there loaded with the people in it, but the doors are open and just sitting there for no reason for 10 or 15 minutes. Then it would close and then it would leave of course. And then you'd wait like 10 minutes. Another train would come. And so they had something going on. I obviously I don't work there, so I don't know what it was, what it was but it was, it was, uh, it was pretty bad. Um, again, this kind of goes back to that mask policy thing there. There was no mask policy in the line to the monorail at night with the entire park emptying into that line, basically. Um, so again, it doesn't make any sense. You're, you're cramming everybody together, and then it doesn't matter. But when you get into a little car with eight, maybe six, eight other people, it matters. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so that was also that they obviously didn't enforce that, which I did like. They did not enforce the, the masks in the line. They kind of didn't care at that point. They're just trying to get you out of the park. So I kind of like that. But again, it just kind of makes it seem sort of silly there. Um, the other con about Disney that I noticed when comparing it later on to Universal, not a lot of air conditioned areas around the park. And the majority of their lines for their rides are uncovered or just outside without air conditioning because they're not really in a building. Um, and then just one other pet peeve I noticed, um, Disney does have, um, frozen, um, I'm sorry, paper straws for like their drinks. And I cannot stand paper straws for like frozen drinks. I understand the environmental impact and I get at I'm on, I'm on team environment, but with an, a frozen drink, unless you're going to gulp it down in like a minute, that thing is worthless. Um, it falls apart and you end up having to get more, more than you need just so you have a straw working. So I think it, in my opinion, it kind of defeats the purpose. Um, one other thing I did notice that I want to give up, actually forgot to give a pro to before with Disney, their check-in process, as far as getting into the park is smooth. You just, you're walking the whole time. You're walking, you're barely stopping. You're just walking through. And we'll get to that later as we talk about our next stop at Universal Studios. Now let's get on to Universal Studios. And to be honest, this was the main reason that my wife and daughter really wanted to go on this trip as both are huge fans of the Harry Potter saga and couldn't wait to see all that Universal had to offer. To be honest, I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan, haven't read the books, but I have seen some of the movies. It's just not my thing, but I was more excited to see Universal Studios and how they put everything together and how that experience turned into an awesome sight for my family to enjoy. Um, also, to be fair, I'm a big guy. I'm 6'2". Um, I have a 46-inch waist or 45-inch waist, depending on the clothes. They tell you if you're over 44 inches, you may not fit on some of the rides. That was the case for me. But again, I wasn't 
hugely into all that stuff. It was more, I was there more for the overall aspect of seeing everything and kind of reporting on it as a, as a travel agent, um, for my clients and stuff like that. But it really was amazing to see, even if you're not doing that much stuff, there is a lot of stuff going on that you can participate in. It was a lot of fun. Um, so on the first day, we immediately noticed that getting to Universal just did not seem as easy it was as to get into Disney. Um, to Disney, you go down the, I don't know the road, but you turn make a right, and you just keep going down and you get into the park. This was not that way getting to Universal. There was a lot of driving involved and a lot of turns here and there and everywhere. Um, the lines for parking alone were extremely slow. In Disney, you kind of just drove up and pretty much got really quick through the line. This was not the case there. Um, and so we approached, approached the uh, payment booths. We soon realized that this was due to all the lines being funneled into one lane ramp that took you up to the parking garage. So again, in my opinion, not, not the greatest design. Maybe they could have like different entrances or something. Um, once you got into the parking garage, however, parking your vehicle was easy and well-organized. They had lots of staff up there telling you exactly where to go, where to park and all that kind of stuff. And they did a great job with that part. Um, Unlike Disney, you don't have to go on a tram or anything. You literally just, once you park your car, you get either walk downstairs or go down uh, elevators or escalators, whatever you want to get to the bottom floor. And then you take this bridge over to get towards the security line. So not quite as much walking. And a lot of it honestly is covered because you're in a parking garage, which was really nice. Um, let's see. So, but, but that getting to that now. So you walk down the ramp or we took the escalator, I think. So you go down there and then there's a huge line just to get into the park. Uh, this line probably took us another 45 minutes or so to get through. Um, as we proceeded through the line, we soon realized that all of this backup was due to a security checkpoint, kind of like they have at the airports, you know, where you have to take off, take stuff out of your pockets and all that stuff and put it in like a bin and they run it through the scanners. Um, the only thing you didn't have to do, you did not have to take your shoes off or anything like that. But this was a huge bottleneck in their process. Like I said, with the Disney one, I gave them a pro for it. Disney, you just kind of keep walking and walk seamlessly through a scanner and such. Um, this, the way that Universal has it set up, it makes it a ton slower. Um, so that being said, I would recommend getting to the park a lot earlier than you think in order not to miss time in the actual park itself. Um, once we got through that and once we were in the park, we noticed it was well-staffed, well-organized, except for one major issue that I have to fault Universal Studios for. And they only put out a, for whatever reason, they only put out a small number of printed maps. Um, and that makes it really hard to get through their park, especially when you haven't been there before, even though their park's smaller, just to learn where to turn and where stuff is, it made it kind of hard. Um, so we talked to them about that and they said that that was it. They just, they just put out that set amount or whatever it is in the beginning. And then that's it. We never saw them replenished throughout the day. So that was kind of a big ding on them. They do say, of course, you can use their app, just like Disney, they have an app. Uh, Universal's app is garbage. It doesn't work very well. It's informative, sort of, but it sort of doesn't work, and it's harder to get to what you need to see half the time. Uh, it's not as universally friendly um, as Disney, so I can't give them on that one. I have to give Disney the leg up on that one. However, we were finally able to find the Hogwarts area at Diagon Alley, and my wife and daughter were in heaven. Um, this is where Universal Studios like really shined, like took the cake right here. Um, they did an amazing job in that section of the park. And my wife and daughter lit up in amazement as they moved forward through, like I said, Diagon Alley. Everything looked exactly like the movies and as described in the books. Okay. 
So they, they were telling me all about the stuff. Of course, I didn't understand what most of the stuff was, but as we're walking through, I could just tell it was, we were in a whole different world. It was really well done. Um, they both really enjoyed uh, Harry Potter and the escape from the Gringotts um, uh, ride, which was a wait time of 75 to 85 minutes or so. Um, and while they did that, I checked out the shops, grabbed a butterbeer, and they have a dragon there that actually spits out actual fire. It goes off like, I don't know, maybe every 10 minutes or so. And it's pretty awesome because you look up and you see this uh, incredible dragon like f- shooting out flames like 20 feet out of its mouth or something. I have a picture of it on my Facebook page if you want to check that out. Um, so after they did that ride and they went, we went around the shop some more and stuff like that, uh, my daughter did buy one of the wands there, which is a really cool thing. If you're, especially if you're a little kid, they have, you can buy a wand. I think it was 50 bucks. So it's a little bit pricey, but it's not just a wand they hold around and do stuff. You actually can do actual spells in certain areas of the park. They have certain areas um, around the park that are labeled with these gold like discs on the ground. And when you stand in those certain areas, it tells you what spell you have to do and how you have to move your wand. And when you do that, the window display of the store that you're in front of, something will happen. So it's actually uh, pretty cool and uh, really interesting and, and definitely worth the 50 bucks there because a lot of fun and you could do that all through the Harry Potter areas. So that was really nice. Um, let's see. So after they were done with the ride, we continued on. Uh, uh, they wanted to go on the Hogwarts Express. Um, that's a unique use of a, like a, like basically a train that takes a hotter, Harry Potter themed train, of course, that connects you to the Island of Adventure Park, which is where all the other Harry Potter rides are. And that's, you're at the um, King's Cross station there in Universal Studios, and you go over to the Hogsmeade station. So uh, please note that at Universal Studios, there are only two Harry Potter-like rides, like I said, including the Hogwarts Express at Universal Studios, and that you'll need to purchase a park-to-park ticket to be able to use that train to get over to the Islands of Adventure and enjoy the remainder of the Harry Potter rides. So that's something to note and something we knew about. So obviously, since that was their main reason for going there, we definitely purchased that. The Harry Potter ride is, uh, I'm sorry, the Hogwarts Express ride is actually really cool, really well done. Um, and I will say that it's entertaining when you get over there, it's an actually whole, it's actually an actual ride, not just like sitting on a train and like twiddling your thumbs till you get there. Upon arrival to Islands of Adventure, they decided to immediately ride the Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey, which had approximately an 85 minute or so wait time and had a lot of entertainment throughout the line. I went on that with them. Um, so the whole line, even though it was slow, it's undercover, it's air conditioned, they got fans going and they're entertaining you with different things as you go through the line, which is really nice. After that ride, we decided to have lunch in an Italian restaurant uh, where we had some amazing meatball subs, and it was really good service, really fast service, really great food, and of course, it's air conditioned. Um, and then they went ahead and rode the uh, Flight of the Hippogriff, uh, which is more of like a kiddie ride. It only had like a 25-minute wait time, um, but they enjoyed that. It was, some, it was one of the rides they wanted to check off their list. Um, and so after that, we went back to Universal Studios via the Hogwarts Express, checked out the gift shops and kind of called it a day after that with some shopping in between. Cause it was just kind of hot. And that was kind of, we were kind of done that day. I think the, um, like I said, I think the holiday in part kind of screwed a lot of that up for us. Um, we used a second day just as with Disney to backtrack over the favorite rides and really take in all the experience and shopping that Hogwarts and Diagon Alley have to offer. Um, we even got to stop, um, the, the second day they wanted to go on a, um, Hagrid's magical creature motorbike adventure. Um, and right across from that was the three broomsticks restaurant. So we decided to eat there for lunch so we could be next to it when we were done. 
um, and were pleasantly surprised with their fish and chips lunch. Uh, this was by far the best food we had at the park and also during our entire vacation. Uh, my wife and daughter then rode the much-anticipated Hagrid's Magical Creatures motorbike adventure. This was an interactive multi-launch steel motorbike roller coaster, and they only had about a 30-minute wait time due to its unique reservation system. Now, this ride is one of the rides you definitely have to have the app for. Um, basically, this ride has a QR code sign, so when you get over to the ride, you can scan the QR code, and then you can type in your information, whatever, all that stuff, and you pick when you want to go on the ride. Ours happened to be, I'm going to say, two and a half hour wait. Um, so that's when we use that time to go over and have lunch and kill some of that time where we were doing it and, of course, cool off in the AC. Um, so that was really nice because then when they got back over to the ride, of course, they just walk in the line because they have an appointment time. It tells you when your appointment time is. And then, um, and then there's maybe a 25-minute ride, 30-minute, whatever it was, to get through all the line to get to the actual ride. Um, they really, really, really liked that ride and they thought it was the best one, uh, in the park as far as all the Harry Potter rides. And, um, uh, then after the ride, we of course had some more butterbeer, um, uh, and made our way to back to Universal Studios via the Hogwarts Express. Um, and then they both rode the, uh, Jimmy Fallon ride and we did some final souvenir shopping and, uh, at this point called it a night cause it was pretty late by that point. Um, some of the pros of Universal Studios, uh, amazing. Harry Potter themed rides. They're immersive worlds with lots of different magic wand spells, like I said, that you can cast throughout the park that really kind of bring it all together. Um, Hogwarts Express provides a unique way to get back to Universal Studios, and the ride is actually different depending on which way you're traveling. So if you're going towards, you know, back to King's Crossing, then it's a different ride than when you're coming from there, which is actually really interesting. It's again, like Disney, very well organized, uh, other than their map issue. Um, friendly staff, clean park, and uh, tons of different air-conditioned areas where you could get out of the heat. A lot of their lines had covered line queues with nice working air conditioning, much different than Disney in that regard. It's also a much smaller park, so you're not doing quite as much walking, which is a nice break from the 12 or 13 miles a day at Disney, uh, at least for our family, um, and the time we went with the breakdowns of rides and stuff like that due to the weather. Um, there's tons of places that they also had where you could grab like free ice for your drink or your water fans or whatever. We, um, because of our experience at Disney and how hot it was when we got to universal, the first day we bought those, I don't know if you've seen them, they're little fans where you can put like a couple glass of water thing in the bottom and it has a little squirt guns, you know, action thing with the water coming out, but you turn on a fan that's battery powered and it blows like a cool mist on you. Um, so that was great because you'd fill it up with water and of course it's getting hot. So that water just becomes like kind of like warm mist, but they had these ice stations everywhere where you could just go up and they'd shovel ice right into it for you at no charge at any of these places. And you could stay cool throughout the, uh, the day, which seems like they cared a little bit more about that than, uh, Disney did, which I really appreciated. Um, cons of universal studios. We kind of already touched on it, I think twice, but no paper mats. That's, that's game changing, man. Um, it's hard to get around, especially when you've never been there before. Their app is not user-friendly, so it doesn't really help you out that way at all. Um, they don't have a lot of really good signs there throughout the park at Universal that tell you kind of where to go. So, like, we accidentally just kind of found um, the first Harry Potter experience at Diagon Alley. We just kind of went into this little thing and then found it. We didn't see any signage out there for it. Um, so I, I would have appreciated a little bit more signage to kind of tell you where to go, especially if they're not going to print maps for whatever reason. Um, Last thing was a little bit picky, but on the Hogwarts Express, you sit in like a train cabin, obviously, because it's a train. It can seat eight people. 
Um, and that's what they do at Universal. They put eight people in and say, cram you in there with eight people. It should only really have six people in there. It's, it's, it's rough when uh, everybody's like, you know, soaked with sweat throughout the whole day of being at the park and everything. And you're cramming together with people you don't know in this little cabin enclosed, you know, and just I don't, barely any air conditioning, if anything, in the ride. And it's just very cramped and gross. We did go on one of our rides. We actually only had six people in the, in the cabin for whatever reason. They didn't have another two to throw in there with us. And it was actually really nice. You were more spaced out on these benches and uh, you weren't touching anybody. It was just a nicer experience. So in the future, you know, it would be nice if they would do that, just make it six. But I understand they're trying to get a lot of people through every time. Um, but that was just a, you know, a little pick, a nitpick there on our part. Um, now I'd like to take this opportunity to bring on our first guest to the Jaycation Travel Podcast ever. And also her first podcast ever, my daughter, Mackenzie, I wanted to bring her on to get a kid's perspective on this vacation as we did go to Disney and Universal Studios. And it's important to get a kid's perspective as numerous clients of mine also have children. And this is a great way to see kind of how they see it through their eyes and what's important to them that may be different than what's important to us as adults. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Mackenzie to the podcast. Mackenzie, please introduce yourself to the Jaycation Travel Podcast audience. Uh, hi, my name's Mackenzie. I'm 12, and I just started eighth grade a few days ago. Oh, how exciting, how exciting. So this was a summer vacation for you, is that right? Yep. Okay, did you have a lot of fun? Yeah. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Well, let's start off. We went to three places, kind of, as we already talked talked about here. So let's start off at the Holiday Inn Club vacation at Orange Lake Resort. Uh, what was your favorite thing about this resort? Um, my favorite thing about the resort is that we stayed in like a little bungalow as opposed to a hotel room. And I just thought that was different and unique from what we usually do. And also there were these herrings that would um, visit our uh, little bungalow a lot. And that was just really fun to see them. Yeah, because they would come up right to the back patio, wouldn't they? Yeah. And were they like, how, how tall do you think they were? Probably four or five feet tall. They're really big. Yeah, I was going to say, to me, they seemed like they're about five feet tall. And, they, and the, the uh, interesting part, too, is when you went outside the sliding door and walked out on your patio, uh, they did not run away, did they? No, they would just stay right there and kind of looked at you and talked to you a little bit. Yeah, it was actually, that was really cool. It was like we were in like a little animal park, too. All right. So that being said, what was your least favorite part about that resort? Um, my least favorite part about the resort was probably the size of the TVs in the place we were staying at because they had a TV in each bedroom and a TV in the living room. And the TV size was fine for the bedrooms, but it was too small, in my opinion, for the living room because the couch was far enough away that if you sat on it, you couldn't see the TV very well. And it was kind of hard to um, keep track of what was going on in your show or movie that you were watching. I agree. And I actually brought that up earlier in the podcast before you were on um, as a negative downside to to that resort for those TVs, because I did like they were Samsung's. You know how much I love Samsung televisions, but they were definitely too small because when we went to Universal um, the second night, we came back and we actually watched one of the movies. You would be able to know which one. Um, and I was making you and mom uh, giggle because I was pointing out things that I saw in the park and being like, oh, that's from there. And that's from there. And oh, that restaurant we went to, that's like a real place in the stories. And how cool is that? And even though it was really cool doing that, uh, doing that on a little 35 inch screen is, uh, not quite the same experience as our like 60 inch TVs at home or whatever. Was it? No. All right. Well, let's move on now to Disney. Uh, what was your favorite part about this visit to Disney this time? 
Uh, my favorite uh, part about the trip to Disney was obviously the rides, but I also really, really liked how um, the whatever you went in the park, it really felt like you were there, if you know what I mean. Like, you could feel, like, everything around you was real. Yeah, because they kind of immersed you in different lands within the Magic Kingdom Park, right? Yeah. Okay, that's really cool. That's a very good point of view. And what was your favorite ride at Magic Kingdom? Or, uh, or at Epcot, for that matter. We went to both of them, so either one. Yeah, my favorite ride at um, both of them was, well, over both of them, was the Seven Dwarves Mine Train ride, because it was definitely the most um, extreme ride that we went on while at Magic Kingdom or Epcot. And I don't know, it was just really fun to me because it wasn't overly intense, but it was just like just the right amount. Yeah, it was, they did it. Per Disney did it perfectly there, didn't they? Yeah. Good. Very good. What was your least favorite thing at Disney this time that we visited? Um, my least favorite thing at Disney was definitely the wait times for the rides, because um, even though the rides moved pretty quickly, it was still almost always over an hour and a half wait for every ride we went on. So that kind of limited the uh, ride time there. Yeah, I agree. And that's actually, um, as we know, that's one of the the things where I'm not as into like these, these big amusement parks like this as other people are for that same reason of you pay a lot of money to get in these parks and due to the wait times, you actually can't go on that many rides per day. Um, which is why I like cruises and stuff like that. Sometimes a little better just cause you can do so much different stuff and there's really no wait times, but that's a good point. And I don't know if there's really anything they can do about that. Um, because people travel from all over the world to go to Disney world in Orlando. So it's so popular. I, I just don't know if they would ever be able to fix that issue. Um, now let's move on to universal studios. All right. So what was, this was your first visit to universal and islands of adventure. Um, what was your favorite thing about that visit? Um, my favorite thing about universal was definitely Harry Potter world because I'm a huge Harry Potter geek. So that was really fun for me to experience the places from the movies and the books. That's cool. And you really liked like, um, I think it's called, is it Diagon Alley? Is that how you say it? Yes. Diagon Alley and Hogsmeade. Okay. And you really <laughs> liked those areas. Cause I know, I remember when you two walked in there, when we all walked in there or whatever, and we came around that corner and then it just explodes in your face with all this different Harry Potter stuff, which obviously meant more to you and mommy because you guys read all the books, seen all the movies and stuff like that. But you guys lit up like, like little kid. Well, you are a little kid, but it was just funny to see you guys get all excited. You were like jumping up and down and stuff like that. It was really, really cute. And, and honestly, part of the main reasons why I wanted to take you guys there too. Um, did you like, like, what did you like specifically about Diagon Alley and the Hogsmeade area? Um, well, they had these really cool little areas where there was this golden circle on the ground and, um, at Diagon Alley, you could buy a wand from either Ollivander's or Gorovich's wand shop, and you could go around, and um, they're right in front of shop windows, and they told you the spells and the movements that you should do with your wand, and if you did them correctly, um, it would, like, interact with, with the shop windows and stuff, and so you would turn on the light, or make a animal move, or make a display pop up, or make um, water come out of somewhere, and it was just really fun for me to do all that. Yeah, that was one of my favorite ones. And I don't remember which one you did. I know it was in Diagon Alley, but you, you had to do some sort of spell. And then all of a sudden, this umbrella just started raining on you while you were standing, where you were standing, which was not only refreshing because it was really hot, but it was also just funny and not expected. So that was really cool. I agree. Uh, what was your favorite ride overall at the two parks, Universal and Islands of Adventure? 
Um, my favorite ride overall was definitely Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure because um, almost all of the rides in the Harry Potter world were immersive and um, characters from the movies and stuff would talk to you and interact with you. But this one was um, immersive, but it also, um, the roller coaster itself was really thrilling and exciting to ride on. And I also really liked the um, carts that were used for it because it actually looked like a motorcycle in a sidecar, whereas it's traditionally just like a normal looking cart. Yeah, like a normal looking like roller coaster car or whatever kind of board. Yeah. You pull down your lap bar, your shoulder bar and, and do the ride. This actually was the part of the ride was actually being on something that was in the stories. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a really cool thing. So that's cool. So now let's go to your least favorite park. Um, I'm sorry, your least favorite part of visiting Universal Studios and Islands of Adventure. Um, my least favorite part was probably the um, how many people were there. Because like I said earlier, they had the really cool little tricks you could do in shop windows and stuff. But it was kind of hard to do those and just get around really because of how many people there were there and you would have to wait in lines to do the spells and they had this little butterbeer cart in the street and that was hard to get to because of all the people walking around you couldn't tell who was in line and stuff but yeah i agree it was almost like they had too much too much congestion in those areas because probably they're so popular um and honestly i think um looking at it from like an adult perspective if they had built the rides to where they could let bigger size people get on those rides. I think you would have more people actually on the rides as opposed to just standing in the street, so to speak, um, which I think would help alleviate that. I don't know if they'll ever do that at universal, but um, yeah, I did see that somewhat as a negative when you had to, you know, get, you found a little area where you did a spell and then you had to sit behind, let's say five or six kids waiting to get your turn, which was fine. But then when you got up there, of course you would try it and they're not easy. Were they, they were not always easy. Were they? No, there was, it was like a 60-40 percentage or 70-30 percentage of getting the spells to work and getting them. Right. And, yeah. And then with all that congestion, while you're trying to do the spell perfectly in order to get the, uh, whatever's supposed to happen to happen, you're also feeling pressure because there's another kid behind you that they want to have their turn to try it too. So I agree. I agree. That would be something that could be taken as a negative and kind of like Disney. I don't know if there's anything really other than the, uh, bigger ride things that they could do to really help change that. And I don't even know if that would change it that much, but uh, you did great on the first podcast. How'd you like being on your first podcast? It was pretty cool. It was like a unique experience. Good. Very good. Well, you did wonderful. I'm sure all the Jaycation travel podcast fans are going to love it. Um, and thank you for taking the time to be on the Jaycation travel podcast. I really appreciate it. Of course. All right. Well, thank you. Love you and have a great rest of the day. Okay. Okay. I love you too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Well, there you have it. I couldn't have said it better myself. So if you or anyone you know is planning a trip to Orlando, Florida to check out the parks, please don't hesitate to reach out with any questions at podcast at jcation.com. Again, that's podcast at j-c-a-t-i-o-n.com. And if this seems like a perfect vacation for your family, we'd love to help you book your next magical vacation. You can even reach me directly at jason at jcation.com. Again, that's jason at jcation.com for all your travel needs. And we can even save you usually a decent amount over the normal customer rates at these resorts all around the area. So don't forget to check us out if that's something you're looking to do. I would like to thank everyone for listening to the show this week. Please hit that subscribe button, leave us a five-star review, and help us spread the word about this podcast so we can help as many families as possible. 
If you'd like to support the show, you can do so at our Amazon affiliate link or at our Buy Me a Coffee link below and pick up a sticker or even become a premium member and pick up lots of other great perks. Thanks again for all your continued support and see you next week on the Jaycation Travel Podcast. See ya!